and we paint with the colors of the daybreak. Every mistake blended with the hope of a sunrise. Hello, and welcome to Listen Well, a Lovewell podcast. The Lovewell Institute for the Creative Arts is an arts education not-for-profit where students from around the world have been conceiving, writing, and performing original full-length musicals since 1989. Tonight, we'll be spinning the turntables for another Lovewell Rewind, a series where we take a look back at musicals from the Lovewell Vault with interviews from original creators and the complete audio of the show. Tonight, we'll be listening to Daybreak, the musical documentary of John Delaney, written by the students and staff of Lovewell Fort Lauderdale Teen Session 1 back in 2009. Daybreak has an enduring legacy in the pantheon of Lovewell shows, having enjoyed a long life with subsequent productions. Most recently, Ramblewood Middle School in Coral Springs, Florida produced the show for their one-act competition. This month, we have two student creators here to talk about the original process. Please welcome Luke Catler and Amber Torres. Luke, thank you so much for joining us for our fourth episode of Listen Well. Hey, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Why don't you catch us all up? Sure. What's been going on lately? So I moved to New York City a little less than a year ago. Moved in with my two best friends, Jared Korak and Ambar Torres. And I've been spending a lot of time with various Lovewell folk of different shapes and sizes all across this big bad city. And I've been working at a talent agency. I work for a theater agent. Um, I work very closely with directors, writers, choreographers who work in the theater everywhere from the most amateur all the way to Broadway. Um, and I just support her in everything that she does. A big part of her job is to put all these people together, creative people of all facets, to really make large-scale creative projects happen. So I'm doing it. Living the dream. That's awesome. Um, so... Daybreak is a very mature show that deals with issues surrounding the prison system in America. It contains frank discussions about death and crime. What was it like writing a show with such mature themes at such a young age? You know, that's a really good question. I think that, obviously, it required us to do a lot of research and put a lot of thought and care into how we handled an issue that was very politicized and also was important to a lot of people. But also I think it challenged us to approach a topic that a lot of us as young people didn't necessarily know we had an opinion about because it was something out of our realm of either immediate understanding or just, you know, I, I don't know how many people in the cast had been affected by this, by the issue of whether the death penalty was, was morally defensible. So I think that it really forced us, it sincerely forced us to have conversations and do soul-searching amongst the young people in the cast to figure out exactly where we stood on the issue in order to then more responsibly write toward the topic at hand. All these years later, something that sticks with me from the original production is how good your dancing was in the show. Ah, eight years later and still a quasi-professional at buttering me up. I remember at the time that you had told me how hard you worked on your dancing because it was something you weren't comfortable doing on stage yet. Tyler, you flatter me. What does Lovewell do for people who might not be the strongest dancers or singers or writers? How does the Lovewell method motivate students to improve in artistic disciplines they might not be as comfortable in yet? I'm a terrible dancer. I knew that I was a terrible dancer growing up, um, but I really did love dancing in Lovewell shows and in high school shows and wherever else I was allowed to dance. Um, and I think that 
I am just one of many examples of what Lovewell does for young people who find themselves with unfortunate passions, meaning passions that they're not necessarily inclined towards. Um, and I, I'll say that it creates, obviously, it creates an environment of support just based on Lovewell as a, as a collaborative process. Um, but it also encourages every day students to follow passions without any judgment attached to them. So I think I attribute that those weeks every summer to, as I am today, dancing like no one's watching, despite being an admittedly terrible, terrible, insultingly terrible dancer. But I think back on Lovewell every time I'm in the middle of a dance floor making an absolute fool of myself. And I think back on it really fondly. And I think that Lovewell does that for young people. And it's inspiring. Okay, but also your dancing was really good in that show. All right, next question. What message does this show contain that you feel is still most relevant today? I think that eight years is not a huge amount of time in the grand scheme of the world. But I do think that the issue of the death penalty and whether it should exist or not um, has become much more of a partisan issue even in the last eight years. Whereas I think back in 2009, or at least maybe this is my perception of it because I was 17 years old, but it seemed like much more of a moral issue and not necessarily affiliated with a party on either side. We live in a really divisive time, and this is an issue that specifically marks people out along party lines um, on the political spectrum, and I don't think that that was as salient in 2009. And so I think it was an easier issue for young people to wrap their brains around because it was much more based on your individual values than it was based on your politics. And I think it, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, that it's changed, I think it has changed, and it's worth acknowledging. Anything else you'd like to add? I just really want to add that eight years later, I'm so impressed and inspired by young people tackling the issues that we tackled in Daybreak. And I just have a lot of respect for the show and what it tries to say. And it really does force people to think about an important issue that is still being talked about actively today. And it was a really memorable and wonderful process. Great. Thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Ty. Now joining us, we have Amber Torres. Amber, welcome to the Imaginary Lovewell Studio. Hi, Tyler. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. Why don't you give us a quick bio? What have you been up to lately? Thanks for asking, Tyler. I moved to New York City in the spring with two of my favorite people on the planet and fellow Lovewell alumni Jared Korak and Luke Catler. This fall, I started a new job as a teaching assistant for a public school kindergarten class in Brooklyn, which has been incredible and challenging and very, very funny because they are very funny children that say silly things. Um, and yeah, that's been taking up most of my time. The rest of my time is dedicated to just finding 
delicious ramen in the city. Daybreak was, of course, originally written in 2009. Take us back there. What was that process like? How was it similar or different from your other Lovewell processes? From what I remember, there was just a constant high energy in the room because everyone was so excited and committed to telling the story as accurately and respectfully as we could. Every person involved was pouring their heart and soul into this and doing their research. We were so passionate about it. And I remember it being like the first time that I felt like a true artist. The staff had so much faith in us to tell such a heavy and important story. And it was just really magical. And I I know that sounds silly and, and cheesy, but it was. It was electric and very, very exciting. You were one of the several actors to portray John Delaney in Daybreak. What was it like playing a character that was performed by several different actors throughout the show? It was really cool and really special for several reasons. From a practical standpoint, it was the perfect solution to breaking up a character that was incredibly dense and would have been way too much for any single student to take on. Just in terms from like memorizing so quickly, it would have been it would have been a lot to take on. So it was really wonderful to make it a shared experience. It just elevated the the sense of camaraderie and ensemble nature of the piece and of Lovewell in general. So that was really, really special to be able to take that on as a group and to share that load. And then from a storytelling standpoint, when you have several people playing the same character, you're allowed to, it allowed us to, to delve into different aspects of the character and it allowed the audience to relate to the character better. You see different body types and ethnicities and genders playing the same role and you're bound to connect to one of them on stage. So I think that it just sort of humanized the character even further um, and allowed the audience to connect to this person and to see themselves in him, which was really like the ultimate goal. This show has now been produced twice since its initial run came to a close. Why do you think this show has made such a lasting impression on so many students? The show does such a great job of presenting these really heavy and morally questionable topics in a clear and accessible way that lends itself to, you know, any age range, but especially like if, if you think about it in a high school setting, it, it gives young actors the opportunity to take on these really dynamic characters that they probably haven't been offered before. It's really rare that at a young age you are presented this type of role, but it's written by by students and the, the thought of having somebody the same age putting it on is really special. And I am glad that, that some schools have produced this show because it, it gives students a really rare opportunity to do tons of research and to evoke emotion and empathy out of an audience. It's a gift and I hope that more schools do it 
and share it with their classes because it, it could stir up some really great debates. Um, I'm really happy to see it continue and have its own life. Anything else you'd like to share? Well, this was really cool. It was really cool to take a trip down memory line. line. <laughs> <laughs> memory lane? <laughs> memory line. This show meant so much to me as a young adult, and it still does. It was definitely the first time that I felt empowered to use my voice to share a message that I was passionate about, or um, it was the first time I felt like a real serious actor and writer. So I'm very fond of those memories and of this show. Thanks so much, Amber. Thanks for having me. This is so cool. Bye, Tyler. Bye, Listen Well. Bye, Level Universe. See y'all soon. Hi, Brian Brandt. Are you out there? Are you listening? Bye. Oh, the show is about to begin. All right now, please no talking during the show. Unwrap any hard candies now and take as many pictures as you'd like because the actors are at places and the curtain is rising for Daybreak, the musical documentary of John Delaney.
strongly believe the punishment does not fit the crime. Every human being deserves the opportunity to change. He is who he is, and according to the state, he's a murderer. He's the product of a lifelong road of wrong decisions. He was destined to end up right where he is. Anyone can make a mistake if they're in the wrong place at the wrong time.
old man. They say he is. I can't believe it. I won't. My name is Michelle Bloom. I'm 32 years old, and I've been best friends with John since second grade. No, no, it's nothing like that. Like my brother. Yeah. Doctor. Confused. But I'm meeting with the attorney later. 
There's hope. None. Let's not get our hopes up. I'm terrified. I'm counting down the minutes, seconds, all that I have left. John? I'm fine. Really? You're fine? Yep. 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 Yes. yes. John, don't do this now. You need to talk to me. Please talk to me. Anything you want to say, just let it out. What would one say to It wasn't your fault and it wasn't anything. 
by the state 12 years ago to defend, defend this one. Gun, and I did. Cleaned it out of bullets. 
so we just went our separate ways. He didn't hang around the house as much. I was always making excuses for him, for Emily's sake. Emily's our little sister. He was her hero, so I was always covering for him. When he was arrested, it was hard for me to feel anything at all. Looking back, I guess what I felt most was just embarrassed. I pretty much pretended that he didn't exist. If anybody asked me, I had no idea what they were talking about. <coughs> Do I think he's guilty? I don't know. Let's just say I don't think it's impossible. Do I think he should die? No. He's still my brother. On this last day more than anything, I just want to talk to him. I want to see if there's any of my brother left somewhere behind all of that anxiety and, and confusion. I'm scared of what might happen. Of waking up tomorrow morning. Of never seeing my brother again. My name is Emily Delaney. I'm 29 years old. I'm John Delaney's younger sister. Well, I always knew exactly who I was. A little sister of John Delaney. I was proud to define myself in that way.
Well, I haven't got to know him as a person. There's no need. He is who he is. And according to the state, he's a murderer. What else is there to know? Well, I don't really give any of my cases a second thought upon completion. I just know that I've done my job and the world is a safer place because of it. And in case you're wondering, yes, I do sit like a baby. <laughs> Thank you.
family? They make John out to be a monster. Someone less than human who deserves to die. I know him. I went to visit him once in prison, you know, to give him a piece of my mind. I expected to find this heartless criminal. And what I found was a human. Someone just like me. Like me, he had a family, he had emotions, and he had regrets. <coughs> John Delaney did have a hand in my sister's life. That's a fact. But he made a mistake, and he knows he made a horrible mistake. Anybody can make a mistake if they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they're desperate. And now, a family's about to lose their brother, their son, their father. I know that pain, and I live with it every day, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody else. I'm Hamilton Delaney. I'm 15. John's my dad. I was raised by my grandma and my aunts. My dad tried to take care of me, but he got arrested when I was three. I don't remember that at all. The first time I met him was at the prison when I was 11. When I was younger, they'd have me draw pictures for him. I don't remember who he or them.
trees, they will keep growing to the sun. Act 1 of Daybreak. 
For tonight's brief intermission, we'd like to remind you of some exciting things happening in the Lovewell community. Recently, we launched a vastly improved and updated version of the Lovewell website. Head on over to www.lovewell.org to check out our gorgeous new website that's easier to navigate than ever before. While you're there, you can already register for the 2018 summer workshops around the globe, and you can start applying for scholarships. We'd like to congratulate the students and staff of Ramblewood Middle School, Somerset Academy Arts Conservatory, and NSU University School on their recent Lovewell productions. Their work was fantastic across the board. Special congratulations to NSU University School, who will be taking their production of Roots of Red to the Florida State Thespian Festival in March. Don't forget to purchase your tickets to the 9th Annual Lovewell Songbook Concert at Nova Southeastern University on January 6th, 2018. You can head over to TicketLeap.com and search Lovewell to find tickets to the concert and to the after-party. It's the first can't-miss event of the year, and we're looking forward to seeing you there. If you're new around here, we'll be posting new episodes of Listen Well, a Lovewell podcast on the first Thursday of every month, so be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, we're also available on iTunes, where you can leave a rating and a review as well. If you like this show, let us know. Oh, the lights just flickered. It's time to get back to the show. Enjoy Act 2 of Daybreak. It's going to cost you. 
I want off death row. I want every incarcerated member of the Figliacci family to be released, and I want to be relocated to a place of my choosing. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. The cannibalism was one time. <laughs> there were other murders, sure, but... No. Nothing. All right, all right. How about an extra fruit cup at tomorrow's lunch? <laughs> Is that really so much to ask? At least some of you fuzz got some decency. <laughs> All right, so here's how it went down. I was sitting in my cell, you know, biding my time, working on my Jersey accent. <clears throat> Joycey! <laughs> and all of a sudden, Darius starts whispering at me from the cell next to mine. See, I thought this was kind of weird considering, you know, Darius and I like to keep to ourselves mostly, but I've always been one to try new things. Yes, that was a cannibal joke. <laughs> <laughs> so I perk up and listen, and Darius starts yapping about John Delaney and how he's wrongfully put on death row or some crap like that. Yeah, of course I asked him why. Darius said that it was him who pulled the trigger, and that he lied about the whole Delaney thing to avoid execution. Ain't that something? If you cook them, you might as well eat them, as I always say. <laughs> also, a cannibal joke. <laughs> that Darius can clean after all these years? Yeah. But you know, his timing couldn't have been any more perfect, eh? Yeah, I cooked the food for all the suckers in here. <laughs> the job I'm assigned, you know? Probably because of my past experience. Well, not the whole poisoning business, but the culinary skills. <laughs> oh yeah! Working in here is like working in a five-star restaurant, except the, the service sucks, the food is crap, and the atmosphere is... But hey, I do the best I can with what I'm given, and I rarely complain. But you know, every once in a while, some of the other inmates will come in here, beg me for some good food. And I'll say, hey buddy, you give up good food when you walk through those metal bars. I mean, I'm not saying I deserve any better, but these guys have certainly served what they deserve. <laughs>
John, our next step in this process is to collect the names of anybody who you might want to see today. What if this day goes through, I mean, do we still have to go through? We're all hoping for the best, John, but as it stands, we still have to proceed with the protocol of the final day until we know the governor's decision. Can I see anyone I want? Yes, it can be anyone, family or not, although we can't guarantee Thank you. 
think about me? It's kind of like dying alive in a way. I mean, you do something that you know is wrong, that you know you will be punished for, but you just do it anyway. You can't help yourself.
I remember it was a Tuesday. My car broke down and it made me late for work. They fired me. I couldn't face my mom. I couldn't face my son. <coughs> I let them down again.
honestly, I know this sounds terrible, but I think John Delaney should die for what he did to my family. And what he did to my sister. I can't even believe that there's a small chance that his state might be approved. He's a murderer. He killed the most important person in my life. Caroline was like my shelter, and now she's gone all because of him. <coughs> when he killed her that night, he didn't just take her life away, he took mine too. Having to see my mom cry every day because of what he did was bad enough. I had to deal with this all alone. I didn't want to cry in front of my mom. I wanted to be strong for her. And my brother somehow forgave him. I was all alone. There's no doubt in my mind that John Willingham is guilty. There never was. Even his partner said that he pulled the trigger. Oh, I think he's exactly where he needs to be, suffering just like we are. I know that him dying isn't going to take away any of my pain. Nothing will. But they have to do what's right. And if the right thing to do is to kill John Delaney, so be it. Of course I'm at a state of shock for everything that's going on. We've been planning for this day for so long. And now to hear that it may not happen is just...
state to determine the fate of Mr. John Delaney. And although the choice is out of our hands, we will fight every minute of today to ensure that it will not be Mr. Delaney's last. Today's the day. In just a few short hours, justice will finally be served. Carolyn Wright's family's suffering will be put to rest. John Delaney deserves to die. John does not deserve to die. He does not deserve to slip further and further into the quicksand he was unfortunate enough to trip into. Let's pull him out. Let's help set him free. We all know in our hearts, he's innocent. He is guilty. He is, was, and always will be. Believe what you want. But facts override these naive fantasies of innocence. Our faith in his innocence will overpower the so-called evidence that robs him and his family of everything. Think of his mother. Think of his son. It's not fair. There's still time. We all must fight to get John to stay. We need to make this right! Believe me, I've been there. I've seen the things that murder brings. It's not fair.
sight, always there to remind us that our canvas is white. And we paint with the colors of a daybreak, every mistake blended with the hope of a sunrise.
Thank you all for joining us for tonight's episode of Listen Well, a Love Well podcast. Special thanks to Luke and Amber for sharing such great insight with all of us. Be sure to subscribe, and we will see you next month for Meridian and a special bonus Love Well Embedded episode where we'll take you behind the scenes of the ninth annual Love Well Alumni Songbook Concert. Until then, this is Tyler Grimes reminding you to listen well, create well, love well. Good night.